Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to investment professionals. My name is Rijk van Ikerk and my guest today is Danesh Ranshot. He is the Vice President and Executive Director at Franklin Templeton Investments and he focuses primarily on companies in South Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. Danesh, thank you so much for joining me. Emerging markets is currently a bit of a mixed bag and there's a a lot of liquidity around and uh, some of it flows to some markets and some of it doesn't flow to other markets. Where do you think the the African or market in Africa fits into this scenario? Hi there, Rick. Yeah. Um, no, correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, Africa, in particular South Africa, has on balance uh, seen you know net outflows. And you know, if we talk specifically to South Africa, it's been over the last sort of four or five years that we've seen net outflows on equity on equities, and even on our fixed income and government bonds, we've seen sort of net outflows. Within Africa, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, within Sub-Saharan Africa, in particular, if we think about markets like Nigeria that have seen outflows from foreigners and even domestic investors within Nigeria have been allocating less to equities and you know more of that exposure domestically has gone to fixed income. Foreigners you know, currently are in a situation where they're not able to repatriate money out of Nigeria and that has made it all the more, you know, uh, willingness to sort of allocate to Nigeria made it all the more less. And then parts of, of East Africa like Kenya has probably attracted the flows that would have gone to Nigeria as probably gone to Kenya where structurally at a macro level they are in a better place. Also fundamentally many of those companies are dealing with the COVID situation a lot better than what we've seen in parts of West Africa. Let's talk about some of those markets and the performances of those markets. Uh, in South Africa, we are seeing a very volatile sideways movement over a better term. What has been the, the performances of other African markets? Yeah, if we look at you know markets in sub-Saharan Africa, markets like Kenya year to date has sort of been marginally sort of up uh, you know, over here. I mean, there's been, you know, most markets have rallied off the lows that we saw in March, uh, you know, due to, due to the sort of first COVID panic. But Kenya has sort of been marginally up. If we look at markets like Nigeria, you know, they sort of still below, down about sort of five to six percent in in local currency, and probably down to sort of ten, fifteen percent since the beginning of the year. We take it there. There's been a little bit of a local rally in Nigeria, but uh, that sort of sort of seems to have been stemmed or paused uh, with the recent protests. On balance, we kind of see in most markets are down from the from the start of the year. And there's been some currency weakness that is, you know, in dollar terms, has probably added to that weakness as well. I see that Franklin Templeton has uh, many emerging market funds, some of them looking at uh, China, Eastern Europe, um, Asian. There's an Asian fund. There's also a BRICS fund, a Latin American fund. But there's not an African fund. Why not? We used to have an Africa fund. Uh, I think the fund was initially launched in 2012. You know, there was a boom period in, in sort of, you know, the early 2010s and um, the Africa fund sort of grew scale and there was a lot of optimism about African markets, you know, various sort of structural underlying factors like the demographic dividend, uh, you know, politics was getting better, infrastructure investment was growing, foreign investment was coming to these markets. That was relatively short-lived and we sort of saw the boom and bust cycle related to commodities we saw currency depreciation come back in. We saw slow policy reform sort of start again. And, uh, you know, the, the African theme just 
didn't quite take off as as what many were expecting. So I think you know one has to be selective, you know, when we when we sort of do go into these markets. So the fund, you know, just quite didn't quite get the scale. We still continue to invest in Africa, and we do that through the broader frontier strategy, which sort of lends diversification, you know, to a particular region uh, or to a particular continent. And the frontier strategy obviously invests across the world, across various frontier markets within Asia, within Eastern Europe, within Latin Africa as well. So. Yeah, so two years ago, that that fund was essentially merged into the Frontier Strategy. I'm looking at the fund fact sheets of various of these emerging market funds, and the only South African company I can see amongst the top 10 holdings of these funds uh, is NASPER. How many South African and African uh, counters are included in, in these funds that may be not part of the top 10 holdings? So we have two strategies that invest in the African continent. And the first one is the global emerging market strategy, which um, you know, which South Africa is mainly legible for because South Africa is the EM and the rest of Sub-Saharan Africa falls really into the frontier market. So you are correct that you know the biggest holding within the GEM fund is NASPERS. And um, you know, over the last four years, we've been at a macro level uh, negative on SA, and at a bottom-up level, we've been negative on on SA companies. So we haven't had much exposure to South African companies. We have one small retail holding, uh, you know, and uh, within the Gem Fund, and then we have Naspers. We do have some investments in in Kenya. As I said, structurally, we are generally a bit more positive about Kenya. And then the Frontier Strategy invests in Nigeria, in Kenya and um, some sort of outlying markets within West Africa uh, as well and pan-African companies. Can you maybe expand on some of these uh, non-South African investments? You know, within Kenya, we have exposure to the banks. Uh, we have exposure to a telco company. We have exposure to a, a brewing company. You know, if we think about the banks at an underlying level, you know, the COVID situation primarily has, you know, would naturally increase the risk for banks from a perspective of you know, credit losses that would evolve given that many companies and individuals you know, would be compromised and made vulnerable. Um, but when we think about you know, these banks and we think about the exposures that they have and we've tried to sort of understand exactly where the exposures are and what has happened in previous cycles where they've gone through you know, severe downturns, we think the COVID situation in Kenya seems to be more short-lived. We've seen a lot more economic activity pick up quite quickly in the third quarter. It's also looking like some of the banking exposures where they've given relief. We've seen payments start to come through and collections start to increase. At a bottom-up level, you know, the banks have exceptionally high profitability and they can sort of absorb some of the credit losses that will be evolving over the next six to 12 months. We pair that with the ability of the banks to generate non-interest income. Uh, sort of fees and commissions and their partnerships with the telco companies to generate other types of uh, fees and commissions and loan and uh, micro lending arrangements. Those are doing quite well. And then we couple that together with the top, with the sort of top down or high level macro. As I mentioned, the economic activity is picking up quicker than most would have expected. Kenya seems to have an underlying higher, structurally higher growth rate. And that seems to sort of you know, be a benefit to most of the companies that are operating over there. And then the, the telco company that we, you know, that we quite sort of admire and appreciate what they've done is, is Safaricom. Uh, this is a business that is less of a telco company and becoming more of a sort of financial technology company or fintech platform, most commonly known as Mpesa. 
And this business has essentially you know, branched out from just basic mobile money transfers to a platform that you know has partnered with the banks to do sort of uh, credit lending. Yeah, it's also doing remittances. It does merchant payments. It's looking at doing partnerships with Alipay and other sort of international players uh, to sort of essentially you know do mm. purchases at a global scale. So Kenya, we're quite positive on on many of those companies that we, that I spoke about. In Nigeria, we have some exposure to a high quality bank, and uh, on balance, the bank is is has a net a net long dollar book. Essentially, hedges against some of the currency depreciation that we forecast over there. But we are still worried about other structural issues within that country. Do you have more investments, total investments in South Africa or does the investments in other African countries uh, exceed what you have in South Africa? No. So if we include South Africa, if we include NASPRES in the South Africa bucket, you know, we would have a, a greater exposure to South Africa. But in reality, we, we don't really think of NASPRES as a South African company given its large exposure to Tencent and some of the other offshore businesses that you know totally eclipse uh, the small investment that it has here in Take a Lot in, in Media 24. So you have a, a lot more investments north of the Limpopo River than in South Africa if you exclude Naspers. Yes, correct. Yeah, if you include, if you just want to compare to purely South African domestic companies, yes, that's true. The local market in South Africa is actually quite a interesting market. It, it's a very much a stock pickers market at the moment. Uh, most of the companies are going nowhere, uh, and then there are selected uh, companies that are doing really well. Uh, how does that compare to the markets you you analyze, say, in Southeast Asia or even Eastern Europe? Is the, the focus so much on you really stock picking, or can you be more general and, and buy the market? Yeah, so, Rick, I think I agree with you that it's more of a stock picking market. I mean, um, you know, by nature... You know, Franklin Templeton is a, is a, and within the emerging markets division, we are pretty much a bottom-up company. So we sort of try to understand company fundamentals and invest on that basis, although we do overlay the macro. So, you know, we've done some comparisons with uh, with Brazil, you know, at a macro level, at a high level, at a high level, uh, which, you know, compares a little bit more closely than sort of the Asian peers. And a, a few things that maybe stand out before I get into sort of some of the sort of bottom-up uh, factors. But we looked at Brazil back in 2016 when it went through somewhat of a similar inflection point that South Africa seems to be going through at the moment. And um, you know, some of the sort of big reform changes that that country did do quite well was one that sort of did address the corruption issue and it did it in a relatively short space of time. One in particular that people tend to remember is the sort of the, the big sort of money laundering scheme that was fronted by a car wash, and I think it was called Lavo Jato. Uh, essentially, you know, the government did address that. They essentially exposed a lot of executives and government officials, and those those actually, those government officials actually went to jail. They were arrested and sent to jail. They also, you know, essentially did a fiscal consolidation move. They put a spending cap uh, bill that essentially limited expenditure growth to the previous year's inflation. They also did a big pension reform that extended uh, the retirement age of public sector workers. Much the same, they have a pension scheme that works on a defined benefit basis. And you know, it was just sort of costing the government too much money. And that was, that was a big move. So these were done very quickly. And you know, we can sort of mirror some of the things that we think should happen in SA. And there's been some movement. So I think Brazil comes up as a strong comparator when we think about where they were and what they did and what South Africa needs to do. So we are following South Africa's you know, recent activity quite closely. What did happen in Brazil after doing those things that we did sort of see 
fiscal consolidation, we did sort of see GDP growth start to pick up. You sort of saw private sector and foreign investment start to increase within that country. Though, lo and behold, you know, the debt stabilization did take longer, but it does seem to be happening. So we think South Africa could be on a similar path if it does execute. You know, and the risk, I think, is, as, as everyone says, is on the execution part. There is, as I've said earlier, a lot of liquidity in the market, and a lot of that money is flowing to emerging markets, and that influences uh, valuations greatly in several markets. How do you approach this scenario? Because suddenly liquidity may affect valuations a lot more than you know, profitability expectations. Correct. I mean, you know, money flow is important. And, you know, while we don't think we are, you know, it's hard to, I guess, to sort of predict money flow. But if we think about South Africa, that is exceptionally underweight, or South African domestics and South African foreigners are exceptionally underweight SA domestic stocks. If I think, recall, you know, the sort of last Alexander Forbes manager watch survey that looks at what SA institutions are invested in the SA equity market. I think it's well below 40% and probably the lowest it's been over the last decade, possibly longer. Foreigners are obviously, you know, a lot less invested in our, you know, SA fixed income. It used to be 40% two, three years ago. Now it's about sort of under under 30%. So you're correct that, you know, uh, foreigners and locals themselves are quite, un- quite underinvested. And, you know, if some of these tailwinds that we see start to emerge, you could have a lot of money flowing into what is essentially a small asset pool. We think about just the pure SA domestic stocks. If we exclude all the RAND hedges and some of the mining stocks that are, you know, on balance at weight or overweight. So we could possibly see a reform rally. And that may happen in the near to medium term. And it looks like, you know, in the last sort of two, three weeks, we've seen SA domestic stock start to sort of move a little bit in the right direction. On balance, you know, that may happen in the near to medium term, but on the long term, rest very much on whether there's longevity to the sort of reform uh, agenda that, you know, that everyone is waiting for the government to do. Thank you, Dinesh. That was Dinesh Ranshot. He is the Vice President and Executive Director at Franklin Templeton Investments, and he focuses primarily on uh, companies in Africa.